Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope that your holidays are going well. I feel like we are like into the swing of things, like you hit November. Well, actually you hit October and we're like running hard into the holidays. So for those of you that celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope it went well. I know that can be super tricky with our kids for just a variety of reasons. And I did do a podcast episode on how to navigate holidays and what that may bring up for your family. If you celebrate holidays, just the the level of chaos and food and the gatherings, there's a whole bunch of things that can trigger our kids. So if you didn't catch my episode last week, that episode is episode 238. And it's all about how to help our kids navigate those things that pop up in the holidays. So hopefully you'll find that helpful. We actually were invited to a friend's house and it was really nice because it was low key and it was just my friend's family and ours. And it was our first holiday season without my husband passed away in February. And so, you know, those firsts are really hard. I'll be really uh, relieved when we get past February and we're kind of into our second loop, because I think that just helps, you know, desensitize you a bit, or at least you've been through it once and you know what to expect. You've created maybe new new traditions and new approaches so that my kids want to keep all of our same traditions. We really didn't have any Thanksgiving traditions. So that's actually was a good thing because our tradition was to go to the zoo lights. We didn't do that this year. We actually had like a traditional Thanksgiving meal and, um, and that was different. And so that was good. So hopefully yours went well as well. And I want to dive into our topic today. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to talk about accommodations versus validation. And I actually want us to talk about accommodations versus validation slash problem solving. It was just too big of a title to name this podcast that, but that is what I want to talk about. And I'm going to talk about how we can still validate our kids' feelings. We can still empathize with our kids. We can still problem solve with our kids and not accommodate. And I do feel like a lot of parents think it's one or the other. And I see a lot of parents swinging to the far extreme of, I can't accommodate my kids. And so I can't talk to them about their anxiety or OCD, or I can't empathize with them. And I want to help discern what is accommodation versus validation and problem solving, because we don't want to rob our kids of the warm fuzzies. And I think sometimes accommodation becomes like a four letter word in the anxiety and OCD community, especially in my world, especially in the OCD community, you know, anxiety has many different wings and branches of, um, approaches, but OCD has a pretty strong, strong wing approach. (laughs) It's like, you know, when you're in the OCD community, we're going to talk about removing those accommodations. And you're going to hear that from any OCD therapist, anxiety, you get therapists who, who come from all different, um, methodologies and approaches. And so It's not as concentrated, but I want to talk about how, yes, accommodation is a four letter word. It's not good. We don't want to do it, but there is some wiggle room and we're going to talk about what that is. And there's also some things we don't want to lose. We don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater 
And I'll talk about what I mean in a minute. Before we get started, I do want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy, and they're available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. So you can schedule your free 15-minute consultation. See if NoCD is the right fit for you or your child. You can go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. I'll leave links in the show notes. And I have been telling people, if you haven't reached out in a while and they didn't have any providers in your area or in your country, it is a good time to swing back and check in with them because they are adding new providers all the time. Okay, let's talk about this accommodation versus validation. Okay, let me start off with talking about just some generic education on what we're discussing. So what is accommodation? We'll just briefly do this and we're going to go dive deep into this and have a more advanced conversation about it. But accommodation is you doing something for your child's anxiety or OCD. So you are accommodating, not your child, but your child's anxiety or OCD. I'll give you some examples. um, And then then we're going to move on because that's not what this episode is about, but it's a deeper conversation. If my child, you know, has contamination OCD and they can't touch anything in the house, I would be accommodating them by becoming their hands. I open things, I clean things, I do things for them. Or if my child has anxiety, maybe I, you know, I sleep on the floor so that they're not afraid at night, or I sit with them in the shower. It can look different for each family, depending on the child's anxiety or OCD theme. So that's going to look vastly different for each, each of us. But the the gist of it is you are a crutch to your child facing any discomfort or fear um, around their anxiety or OCD. Now, some people misconstrue that. They hear that and they think that means that the therapists want me to, you know, have my child sink or swim, you know, take that baby and throw them in the deep end and they're going to panic and struggle and they're going to learn how to swim because they're going to be, they're going to have to, it's a sink or swim situation. That is not what it means. It means that we are going to be aware of when we are helping our child's anxiety or OCD and not our child, because those are two separate things. And we're going to be um, intentional with what we are doing. So we are going to be intentional with collaborating with our child if they want to collaborate. Otherwise, we can't collaborate with them and that's still okay. But I'm going to notice these are all the things I do for your anxiety or OCD. And these are the things or the thing I'm going to start pulling back on and I'm not going to develop new things. And so it is a tightrope of learning a balance of pulling yourself back and getting disentangled from your child's anxiety or OCD. Because when we do compulsions for our kids, we become the metaphorical sink for our child's OCD. We're growing, we're growing those neural pathways we are strengthening the OCD in the brain. And ultimately it's just as bad as if our child is doing compulsions for themselves. And we don't want that. That's not our goal. However, you know, you can't just rip that bandaid off. That bandaid was developed over a period of time. You have to help your child build those skills, you know, learn how to tolerate discomfort in small increments, do exposures. That's exposure with response prevention and develop those muscles. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, I always like to throw you a bone so that we're not speaking foreign acronyms at you. You can go back and listen to episode 53 
Um, the title is ERP for OCD and anxiety, what it is and why it's so effective. And I have quite a few actually on my YouTube channel as well. And there are links to my YouTube channel um, in the show notes. But when I refer to a previous podcast episode, sometimes people will email the AT Parenting Community Manager and will be like, I don't know how to find this episode. If you go to my website at atparentingsurvival.com, scroll all the way to the bottom, there's a search button and type in the title of what I'm saying. That's why I give you the title. Then it will pop up because all of my podcasts and my YouTube videos are also housed on my website so that it's an easy place to go. And there's a nice search button. I find that if I go to like Apple iTunes, it's easy for me to find. If somebody says a number, I can find that. I know Apple didn't want you to start labeling your numbers, your podcast numbers. They wanted people to get rid of it. I kept it because I often will say episode 53 or whatever. And that's not going to always correlate with how many episodes I've done because sometimes they don't have a number, but (laughs) that was a tangent. You probably didn't need to know, but you can look for episode 53 ERP for OCD and anxiety. If you don't know what that is. Okay. Moving on. So that's what accommodations is in general. And I have done episodes on accommodation and I will tell you what those are as well. If you are like, I really want to dive a little bit deeper into what that means. And it is a good thing to learn about. So I have episode 197, how to not accommodate your child's anxiety or OCD with Ellie Leibowitz. And so Ellie Leibowitz is the um, creator of the space program which is a parent only approach to systematically removing your child's anxiety or OCD accommodations. And so he wrote the book, Breaking Free from Your Child's Anxiety or OCD. um, And he created the space program, which actually has taken off. And now there are space trained clinicians that will walk with a parent in slowly, systematically removing those accommodations one step at a time. So if you hadn't heard of that, you can check out episode 197 with Ellie Leibowitz. Um, I actually made a online study guide to go with his book um, because I got trained by him. You know, with a lot of clinicians are getting trained by him. I also got trained and took one of his trainings and thought that it would be really helpful for my AT parenting community to get like a, like a cheat sheet, like a quick video study guide. So I go through all of his chapters, all of his steps in the space program. Um, if people can't find a space therapist or if they want to like kind of DIY it. And, um, I gave that to my AT parenting community members for free because they sometimes get special gifts from me. Uh, but you could buy it. You could purchase that space study course. It's at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. And I think it's a hundred, it is $127. And so you can take that and I will walk you through it. You can also just get his book. Um, but some people really like the videos and the worksheets and like a fleshed out explanation if they're going to go through that. So that's a good episode to check out. I think that's probably the best one to listen to. Actually, there's one more and that's, it goes way back episode 27. And the title is why reassurance doesn't help children with anxiety or OCD. And that's a good one because a lot of times reassurance, we tie the word reassurance with accommodation. And so we think I can't reassure my kids because that's an accommodation and I don't want to accommodate them because then I'm growing their neurotransmitters and I'm like destroying their brain, which sounds really scary. And so I'm not going to do any reassurance. And so parents will sit and they'll be quiet when their kids are struggling. And that's not the intention 
of pulling back accommodations. It's not to not be present with our kids. It's what we say when we reassure. So I'm going to go into that in detail today, but if you do want to listen to that episode, that might be helpful. Why reassurance doesn't help children with anxiety and OCD. That's episode 27. Also, if you go to my YouTube channel and type in reassurance, I made a YouTube video for kids and teens and young adults to explain to them why reassurance can be a compulsion so that we educate them as well. Why am I pulling back or why am I answering this in a weird way? A lot of times we forget the educational component that you're not driving the steering the ship for this journey. This is your child's journey. And if you listen to me, you hear me say that all the time, but our child needs to be educated on why you're doing that. Why am I pulling back? Why am I giving you reassurance in a weird way? And I'll talk about what that weird way is in a minute. Why am I not accommodating what your anxiety or OCD wants? And we want our kids to understand that we're on their team. And I actually do have another YouTube video called how confessing OCD thoughts grows your OCD. And so if you actually just go to my YouTube channel and there are links in the show notes, but you can also go to my website because I do put those videos directly onto my website and you type that title, you'll find it. And that's another good one for your kids to say, when you're doing this, you're actually confessing. And when you're confessing to me, I'm talking to your OCD, not you. And so this is why I'm going to respond in this way and not the way that your OCD wants. So education is really important. Um, I do want to mention, because I was talking about the gifts that I give to my AT parenting community, um, the doors are closed most of the time. And then I open them up periodically throughout the year. Um, We normally open it up four times a year. And one of those times is happening. And so I'm not very good at reminding my podcast community about my, my free series and about my membership community. And that's not very smart on my part. I just assume you're on my email list, but you probably, um, some of you aren't. So I am doing a free series right now. It is actually starting on, it actually started (laughs) on the second, but the cool thing about my series, all of my free series are, they run for about a two week period week and a half, two week period. And you can catch these videos at any period and at any time. So you do have to sign up though. You can sign up at atparentingsurvivalseries.com. And the series that I'm doing right now is um, survival tools for parents raising kids with anxiety or OCD. Um, I do two free series a year. I do that one and I do the self-care series. And this one is super popular because I pretty much walk you through exactly how to help your child and figure out exactly what your child needs in this moment. So there's a lot of really good free guidance that I throw at you, throw at you sounds kind of violent, (laughs) that I lift and offer you for this two-week period. I also actually create a pop-up group that you can um, join, and then I will go in there and teach even more in-depth in that group. So go to atparentingsurvivalseries.com The AT Parenting Community will open up its doors at the end of the series on December 13th, 2021. And if you're on the wait list, you get some perks I'm not going to talk about. So you can join by going onto the wait list at atparentingcommunity.com, hit the wait list, and I will be emailing you with those perks. Okay. Sorry for the tangent. Let's get back. So when our kids are needing 
reassurance or accommodations. First, you have to get very good at deciphering what is anxiety or OCD? What are my child's anxiety or OCD themes? Am I talking to my child's anxiety or OCD? So once you know that, and those other episodes can help you dive into that and understand that, once you know that, what's your response? And so can you not give your child reassurance when they're having a a struggle with their anxiety or OCD? Because is it all bad? And I would argue that's not true at all. So I'll tell you the difference. If my child, I'm going to give you some real life examples because I think that will help. Let's take some examples from my kids because it's so much easier to talk in real life scenarios than abstract. Replace whatever my kids' issues are for your kids' issues and then we'll, it's all foundationally the same. So it doesn't matter if my example doesn't resonate with you. It's all the same foundationally. So yesterday, (laughs) I can always be like yesterday, my Mr. 12 was having um, a major problem with my daughter's singing. And I know that that is beyond a kid issue for him. It is an OCD issue and he's articulate. He's 12 now. So he's been very articulate about that's an OCD thing for me. Now, when our kids say that to me, that's not a pass that now you get to be really horrible to everybody because it's your OCD. So how do we navigate that? So he was screaming at her and saying, stop singing. You're never allowed to sing, you know, and he was going ballistic and I waited for him to calm down a little bit. And I worked with her because sometimes I think, and this is not what this topic is today, but I think sometimes we don't go and comfort the target of our kids rage when they have anxiety or OCD. And sometimes if they're not being aggressive, I rather focus on the person who is the target of it in that moment than my son who was not approachable at that time. But then I said to him, I validated. So instead of saying to her, just, you know, stop singing because you're upsetting him. Now, maybe if it's a new problem and we're dealing with it, we might have to do that until we kind of develop some coping mechanisms and some skills. And, you know, it's not always all or nothing. We have to give our kids the tools and skills as we remove accommodations. Now, if they don't want to use those tools or skills, that's another thing. But as long as they know why we're pulling back or they know why we're responding in a certain way, and don't forget that part, you have to tell your kids, why am I going to respond in this way instead of this way? Or why am I not going to do this thing for you? uh, Because it's your anxiety or OCD have to educate them. It's not just a one, a one directional kind of approach. And then, so I said to him when he was calm, which actually wasn't that far, it was probably about 30 minutes later. I said to him, you know, it hurts her feelings when you are when you're saying don't sing, she sings because she's happy. And he barked back, you know, it's my OCD mom. I can't stand noise. I can't stand her singing. Now he has a thing where he gets songs stuck in his head in a loop and, you know, images and songs can get stuck in kids' heads and it's an OCD theme and it will drive him nuts. And we've worked on this. This is not a new problem. And so I said to him, now here comes the difference between reassurance and um, empathy. And I'm going to do one that's a little bit better in a second. But I said to him, I totally get that this is hard for you. I get that, you know, noises are overwhelming and that it's your OCD. And I, I imagine that's very hard for you. So I'm validating his feelings and his experiences. I'm not like not talking to him. And then I said, but the world isn't going to accommodate your OCD and school doesn't accommodate your OCD. 
And you're going to go and you're going to work in a business where you're going to have employees who are going to make noises. Cause he went on to say, school is so hard for me and everyone makes noises and it's so overwhelming for me. And I do want to back up and say, he doesn't have sensory processing disorder. He's not on the spectrum. He's not having sensory issues. These are, I mean, he does get irritated by sound, but this is more of an OCD issue. And so I said to him, and we moved into problem solving. So you don't get to control other people, but your OCD, and actually, let me take that back. What I said is your OCD doesn't get to control other people because that's just not how the world operates and it's not how our family operates. So what can you do to tolerate what is happening? And, and so we, pro- we problem solve that. And when it comes to just regular noises, he has vibes that he can use, but it's not for him to bark back. Now, if he wants to do exposures and work on that, that'll be up to him or if we kind of identify that. But in that moment, I just said, you get to control yourself, not other people. So we're not going to stop singing because it's upsetting your OCD. What can you do? And if you want to put vibes in and accommodate your OCD, that'll be on you, but it's not our problem, right? And I I wouldn't say it to him in that way. Like it's not our problem. Um, I'll give you another example. Let's say you have, I'll give you some that are a little bit more sticky when you get into this vicious loop. A lot of times our kids with moral OCD, they feel like they're a bad person. And so a big accommodation is they'll say, you know, mom, I'm having a bad thought, or I think that I did this, or I think that I'm going to do that, you know, something in that realm. And a lot of times we feel like we can't say anything because any reassurance is a compulsion. And then we're feeding the OCD. And so we may say nothing. And it's better to sit down with your child ahead of time and say, this is what we're going to do. You know, when your OCD wants to get reassurance from me, that's actually a compulsion. And this is what a compulsion is. And this is how it grows. And here's a YouTube video on how confessing is a compulsion. Let's watch it together. And so when you ask me those questions, I might say to you something like, I know I'm sorry that your OCD is giving you a hard time right now. And that's a good start, right? That's um, empathizing and not ignoring them, uh, but without giving them the, the OCD reassurance, right? So you might give them reassurance that says, I know you can handle this discomfort, regardless of what theme we're talking about in this moment, right? If my daughter has sensory motor OCD and she says, mom, I have to pee. I'm, she'll often just blurt out, I'm having an OCD. She'll say, I'm having OCD. <laughs> I don't know why she does that. I'm having OCD right now, mom, and it's as if it's like a headache. And so she might say, I feel like I have to pee. Or if we are trapped somewhere where she can't pee, she might say, I, I need to pee. And so I might give her reassurance that she can handle the discomfort, right? That's still reassurance, but it's healthy reassurance. I might say, I'm sorry that your OCD is showing up for you right now while we're trying to have fun. I, I can imagine that would be really difficult for you. And I know that you can handle the discomfort because I've seen you do it before. So for that, for that example, that reassurance is cheerleading. I'm coaching her. I'm I'm supporting her. It's still reassurance, but it's good reassurance. I'm not saying to her, you know what, honey, um, we'll find a bathroom for you accommodation for her OCD. Um, or, you know, honey, we'll, we'll stop soon, whatever it is, or reassurance might be mom. I'm really worried. I'm going to throw up for those of you that have kids with a metaphobia, the fear of throw up. I feel like I'm going to be sick, mom. And then we might swoop in, and this is totally the intuitive maternal or paternal thing to say, you're not going to be sick, honey. It's just your anxiety or don't worry. You know, you always feel this way and you're always fine. 
And those sound like really good things to say. And some therapists in different schools of thought might agree and say that that's a good thing to say. But when you have OCD in the mix, uh, and sometimes with metaphobia, we, you know, it can be anxiety, it could be OCD, and we can debate about that all day long. But with a metaphobia, the fear of throwing up, the ultimate goal is to get our kids to accept that no matter what, they will be okay. And I have you, I have YouTube videos and I have podcasts on emetophobia. So just go to my website and go down to the search button because I'm not going to dive into that. But I'm using it as a good example because my response isn't going to be crickets. You know, my child says, oh, mom, I feel like I'm going to be sick. And I don't say anything because I can't give them reassurance and I can't give them, I can't accommodate it. So I'm just going to say nothing. No, I'm going to say to them, oh, I'm sorry that you're, that you're struggling right now. And whether you get sick or not, I know that you can handle it, right? You might build up to that. You may not be there yet, but that's where we're headed. So a lot of times I'll tell you where we're headed, not where you may be. And so it might start with educating your child and saying, you know, every time I say you're not sick or you're okay, you're going to be okay. I'm growing your problem because the ultimate goal, we want to tell our kids, where is the ultimate goal? Where are we trying to get to? The ultimate goal is that anxiety or OCD is going to, and I'm talking about emetophobia right now, it's, but you can like replace this and learn regardless of what theme I'm talking about. With emetophobia though, your anxiety or OCD is going to make you feel like you're going to throw up. And it's going to tell you that if you throw up, this, this, and this bad thing is going to happen. And that is different for each kid who has emetophobia. Not everyone has the same core fear. So it could be, I fear like I'm going to be embarrassed or I'm going to lose my friends or I'm going to feel really sick, or I'm not going to like the feeling, or I'll never stop. I'll never stop throwing up, or I'll choke. There's all different core fears around emetophobia. It's not uh, a one and done. And so, the ultimate goal is to tell them that regardless of what anxiety or OCD is saying will happen to them, that they can handle it and that they would get through it. So it's not to convince them that they're not going to throw up. So moving back, the reassurance would be, regardless of what happens, whether you throw up or not. I know that you can handle that discomfort. You may or may not throw up today. And that's, that's our response. You know, I'm sorry that you're feeling sick. You know, I'm sorry that it, I'm sorry that anxiety or OCD is showing up for you again, or I'm sorry, Mr. O is bothering you. The validation of the feeling is really helpful because I still want to give my child comfort. I am so sorry that you're having this struggle and I genuinely mean it. And then I'm going to move into whatever we have already pre-decided would be my response. And it's pre-decided. I'm going to have to sit, I'm going to sit down with my child and my child's therapist. And I'm going to say, this is how I'm going to respond when you have those issues. And this is why I'm going to respond in that way. And so, um, eventually your child will mimic that, but that's not, that's not being silent, right? You don't have to, you know, zip up your lip and not say anything because you feel like your child is going to be getting reassurance. Reassurance is not a bad word. It's what you're reassuring. What are you reassuring? Are you reassuring your child that nothing bad thing is going to happen to them? Are you reassuring your child that they can eat that food? They can have that thought that they're still okay, that they're not going to throw up, that they are safe? Or are you reassuring your child that they have the tools to get through this? Are you reassuring your child that they can handle the discomfort? Are you problem solving? right? So let's swing over to anxiety for a second. If my child is afraid at night and they say, I thought I saw something in the shadows. 
right? Do I swoop in and do I say, you are safe. I'm right down the hall. I bet a lot of people say that because that's the normal intuitive thing to say. That's our knee-jerk reaction to say. That's what a lot of therapists will tell you to say. And it's what will feel good. But if we had a little bit more intention, could I say to my child, what thing did you see that seemed to be scary? That shadow over there. What can you do to prove to your brain that you are safe? Yeah, that's going to take me a few extra minutes and it's not going to be intuitive, but I'm teaching my child to help themselves. And I'm still being comforting. I'm still validating their struggle. I'm not saying you need to face your fears. Good night. Don't come out of your room again, or you're going to get blah, 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 right? Or even positive reinforcement without skills isn't helpful. If you can stay in your room all night, you're going to earn blah, 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 right? But I haven't given my child any skills. And so sometimes people take my online courses and if they're skimming it, or they only hear my podcast and they don't take my online courses, they're missing a very important point, a very important key aspect of removing your accommodations is providing your child skills. And so I kind of have a little bit of an issue because the space program doesn't talk about building skills. And I get that it doesn't talk about building skills because it's a parent only approach, but you really want to marry that approach with building your child's skills. They don't talk about it because it can be used for, for kids who are not willing or, or able to work on their skills at that time. But that is a key component that you still want to do. So when my child is afraid of the dark, I'm going to ask them, what things can you do to make yourself feel better? I can turn the light on. Okay, let's turn the light on. I'm not leaving them. I might support them. I might coach them. I might walk them through it, right? Let's go back to the thing that you saw. What was it? Oh, it was my laundry. Okay. So when you shut the light off again and your brain wants to feel really anxious, what can you do instead? Now I'm prompting a child who probably or who would already have, have the answers and the skills because you've already gone over it, but we want to leave breadcrumbs. I say that a lot and lead our kids to their own solutions, but that's, that's not shutting down and not communicating with our kids. The other thing I hear a lot, and I, I'm bouncing around topics as I talk about these things is When parents pull back their accommodation, and so they say, you know, my child's confessing thoughts. I'm going back to OCD now. My child's confessing thoughts, and I'm not answering them. I'm not telling them they're not a bad person, or I'm not telling them that it's okay. They don't need to check that. I checked it for them, whatever it may be, Um, because it doesn't have to just be moral OCD. It could be, you know, my child asked me, did I check the locks again? And I'm not answering them. I say, I may or may not have, right? Um, That seems cruel. And now, I worry that my child is carrying all of their stress inside because they're not getting the relief by telling me these things. And so parents will say, I feel bad. I feel like now they they can't talk about their anxiety or OCD and they have to hold all of this in. And my answer to that is that's not true at all. There's a couple of things. If your child is confessing thoughts to you, They are confessing, mom, I had a bad thought, blah, 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 blah. Mom, I saw this on my TV show and I feel like I'm a bad person. Mom, I think I was looking at private parts. And now they're not doing that. They're having the intrusive thought, but they're not telling you them because they know that you're going to just say, I don't talk to your OCD or I'm sorry that your OCD is bothering you. And so they've gotten the message. They've gotten the memo that mom or dad isn't going to complete this loop anymore. And so now you're like, now my child's just suffering. They're not. That is the first step in really crushing 
OCD and making it more livable is that your child has to learn to sit with the discomfort in order to build its OCD muscles to tolerate those thoughts. The ultimate goal in making OCD manageable for any human being is for them to learn how to tolerate the distress and the discomfort that intrusive thoughts and feelings bring. We are not looking and we don't have the capability of stopping intrusive thoughts and feelings. What we are looking at doing for our kids and for ourselves, if we have OCD, is learning how to build up the muscles to tolerate the discomfort that comes with those thoughts and feelings. Now, eventually, for a lot of people, those thoughts and feelings actually go down. Sometimes they go away for a while because they lose their power. But that's not the goal. The goal is to in- increase their tolerance to have those thoughts. So, what you're doing as a parent when you're not completing the OCD loop is you're letting your child hold those thoughts and sit with the discomfort and build metaphorically those muscles. So visually see your child holding this boulder that's OCD with these thoughts. And instead of throwing it at you and then feeling oh, relief, they're holding the boulder. And yes, we want to go in and we want to grab the boulder for our kids and say, you don't have to hold it. It's too heavy. But when our kids are forced to hold the boulder because we are no longer completing the loop and responding to their confessions and giving them that comfort, they are building muscle. And over time, that boulder gets lighter and lighter until they can just throw it in their back pocket because it's not heavy. They can hold it. And we can't have our kids build those muscles if we keep catching the boulder. If they keep throwing it at us and we catch it for them, they are never going to learn how to build those OCD muscles. It's the same thing for anxiety. It is a bit different. Um, The language is different and the process is different, but it's the same thing. If we always, I'll give you an example from my own life. You know, my husband always went with me to birthday parties for my social anxiety. He was accommodating me and I would beg him to go with me so that I can hide in a corner and talk to him and feel like I have a person and that I'm important and I'm enough. And even if these moms aren't going to talk to me, I have my husband. (laughs) Well, it was a crutch. It was an accommodation. And I wasn't going to learn how to tolerate the distress of being in a crowd and not having friends until he stopped going with me. And luckily I started to work on it before he passed away. Um, Otherwise I'd be really like, you know, swimming in the deep end. I was doing a lot of exposures for myself and telling him, nope, nope, I'm going to go by myself. And he was more than happy to, to go with me for the rest of my life, but you know, he's not even here now. So luckily I built those muscles. So it doesn't mean that we drop our kids off at a birthday party and say, build those muscles, see it in two hours. (laughs) You know, that would be cruel, but it might mean, it might mean that we, we go with our child and we prompt them to do challenges as we're there. Hey, go talk to that group of kids. I'll sit here in the corner. And then it might be that, um, I'll drop you off and I'll stay for the first 10 minutes to get you comfortable. And then I'll leave. And then it might be, I'll be in the, I'll be in the parking lot. So you're not alone, alone. And then I'll come back and pick you up. So it, it's baby steps, right? But it is pulling back over time. And that is important. So when you are having your kids deal with those intrusive thoughts or feelings or the discomfort of going to a party and not having you as their wingman, you're helping them build their anxiety or OCD muscles. And those muscles do look different. You know, the OCD muscle is dealing with discomfort and that's, that will look different, but it's not always a fear. It's dealing with discomfort. Can I handle feeling nauseous and the idea that I might throw up? Or can I handle 
the fact that there's contamination on my body and I can't get it off? Or can I handle that people around me are going to be saying certain words that trigger me and I can't control what other people say. I can only control what I say versus anxiety, which is, you know, facing fears, you know, solidly facing fears. So there, there's a little bit of a difference there. Can I handle going to a party on my own? Can I handle sitting in a dark room by myself without feeling like someone's about to kill me? Can I handle, you know, talking in public or, you know, I'm just rattling off all sorts of different types of anxieties that we can have. Separation anxiety. Can I handle not being with you? And um, that's a, that's a big one too, where we struggle with our involvement in accommodating. You know, if I always accommodate and I'm always, you know, don't worry, I'm right here. I'm with you. We develop that unhealthy uh, codependence with our kids inadvertently. And so when I swoop in and I say to my child at nighttime, and I've talked about this in my uh, sleep course that I have on how to help kids who struggle with sleep. And I've talked about it in other podcasts too. It's a normal thing to say, honey, I'm right down the hall, right? You're safe. I'm right down the hall. But what we're saying is you're not safe without me. And so it's, it's not about the reassurance that we provide. This is kind of the gist of this whole podcast. It's the language that we choose. And unfortunately we have to be a little bit more intentional with what we're conveying. It doesn't mean that you can't slip up and then fix it because I will say things to my kids and I'll be like, wait, 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 I didn't mean that. I mean this, because <laughs> I'll say it out loud and I'll be like, no, no. Um, and in the past, when my kids had sleep struggles and when my son had fears, safety fears, when he would go to sleep and I was exhausted, sometimes I would slip up and I'd say, I'm sitting right here. I'm right here in the loft. Cause I'd literally have to like sit on the couch right next to his bedroom. And over time, I would say, we are all safe in this house. You are safe in this house. We are all safe in this house. The doors are locked. The windows are locked. We are in a safe neighborhood. It's unlikely that we will be burglarized. Like I would say things to him and then I'd pull back even further. And then I would say, what do you need to say to yourself? You're having a hard time. I'm sorry that you're feeling nervous right now. What do you need to tell yourself? And then he would repeat to me. I am safe in this house. We are all safe in this house. The doors are locked. The windows are locked. Maybe during the day, I would talk about statistics, depending on my child. What's the likelihood of being robbed? What's the likelihood of being robbed during the day? I would actually break this down. And because it's anxiety and not OCD, I would have rational discussions about about the fear. We don't do that with OCD because OCD doesn't care about rationalization. It doesn't care. I've washed my hands, honey. I've washed my hands and I'm clean. So I'm not contaminated. OCD doesn't care. OCD will make something up. You can be contaminated because you have a thought. It's not about like a thing. And so um, anxiety and OCD are a bit different in how we talk to it and how we reassure. But the bottom line, regardless of what you're dealing with in your house, is you want to listen to your words and you want to say, in my reassurance, am I building my child up? Or am I building anxiety or OCD up? And that's really the basic question. That's all you have to say is, who am I building up right now? Because I want you to build up your child. I want you to say, you are brave. You know, I'm, and I want you to validate their feelings. I am so sorry you're having a hard time right now, but you don't want to reassure anxiety or OCD. And that can be a weird tightrope. It can be a little confusing because you're like, I don't know which one I'm doing. But as you listen to yourself, you will start to notice which you're doing. 
I'll give you some more examples because I just want you to have a million examples. My 18-year-old has some food issues and I don't know, she would argue this is anxiety. I could see where it could be OCD. She's worried that food will go bad. And a lot of our kids with OCD and anxiety have this, worrying about expiration dates and worrying about eating bad food or poisonous food. So once you identify that this is, this is a pattern, you know, when you, you know, when you're eating something, you'll say to me, mom, is this good? Or mom, how long ago did you cook this? Or mom, whatever, is this, you know, not pink enough? Or is this cooked through, you know, whatever those questions are. The first thing for all of these things is to validate and have a conversation outside of what I'm talking about to say, this is your anxiety or OCD. It doesn't matter what you want to label it, you know, for this example. And this is how it shows up. And the way that it grows is you ask for confirmation before you eat stuff, if it's safe to eat, um, or you watch other people eat it before you can eat it. And that's a compulsion or that's, that's reassuring your anxiety or OCD. And when you do that, it grows. So education, I just can't stress enough is such a key component to this. So after you've had that conversation, so with my daughter had that conversation, I noticed that you always like ask these questions. And so we talk about that. And then when she asks, you know, she's eating a bag of chips and she says, mom, are these bad? I'll say they may or may not be. They're a bag of chips. Either way, you'll be okay if they've expired or let's see if you're going to be okay. Eat it and we'll see. It depends on where you're at with your child's progress, but you might agree. Let's push things. You might agree that the next time, you know, I ask you a question, you can actually push back and trigger me a little bit but it's a discussion to have. And it's a discussion that's already planned. And so I might say, I'm sorry that your anxiety or OCD, whatever you want to call it in this moment is causing you to not enjoy your bag of chips, right? I'm going to validate that. And I'm not going to be sarcastic. I'm actually going to validate that. I'm sorry you're struggling with that. And regardless of what happens, you know, I know you can handle the discomfort that's going to come from eating that bag of chips, whatever language you want to use, but that's still being reassuring. I'm reassuring them that they've got this, that they can do this. And so I think that you get it. I'll give you one last example. And this, um, and this is just general parenting, but it also goes back into how we speak to our kids. So my, um, we've been on break for like 10 days because my kids got a week off for Thanksgiving. I have no idea why, but it happened. <laughs> and so it was really rough going back today. My kids they go to bed really early. They need a lot of sleep and they want to go to sleep. So they go to bed like 8.30, which is really early, I think, for like a 12-year-old, um, 10-year-old. But actually, they don't wind up actually getting to bed and falling asleep until closer to nine because of everything that takes time. But over break, it was getting to be more like 9.30. And so my son went to bed really late. Well, like, well, and I didn't give melatonin last night because I was like, you guys need to really try to go to sleep without melatonin. Anxiety and OCD can deplete melatonin. And so that adds to it. And then you have intrusive thoughts. There's all reasons why, why sleep can be difficult. Anyway, he didn't have that. And then the medication he takes makes him really tired. So we've been giving it to him, not melatonin, but his medication for his OCD. We've been giving it to him earlier, like around 6 PM so that it can help him when he's trying to wake up. And he's not on an SSRI because those did not work for him um, because he has pans and that's a whole other story. But uh, kids can be very sensitive to SSRIs when they have pandas or pants. But he took it at the regular time, like 8.30. So he was super tired this morning. And he was very anxious about going to school because 
he has a lot of problems, you know, socially. And I totally get that. And so this morning, instead of being like, you have to get up, you know, like, I don't care. And he's sleeping and he's um, not wanting to get up. And, and I just like rubbed his head and I said, oh, I know this is going to be so hard. I'm so sorry that this is hard. I get it. Getting up after you had like 10 days off and then going to school when it makes you nervous. I just sat there and validated all the things he was going through instead of barking at him that he needed to get up. We're going to be late. He's just, you know, he's just got to pull through it. I was just reassuring him without um, telling him he couldn't go to school. And that helped. It was just a softer morning, you know, and what do you want for breakfast? And I've been trying to get them to make breakfast for themselves. But this morning, like, can I, can I get you your food? I'll get it ready for you as you're waking up. And, and then I praised him, you know, like when he came downstairs, even though he came down late and he was like, you know, curled up in a ball on the couch and didn't want it. And he was grunting. I was like, that's great that you got up. I know this is so hard for you today. And, you know, you want me to get your shoes for you and I'll put them next to you. And someone outside could say that's coddling. Wow. It was, you just really coddled him. But he calmly went to school. He wasn't happy about it, but we didn't fight. And not saying that that will happen with every kid, but with my child and the dynamics that we have, you know, he appreciated that. And then even when I was dropping him off and we were dropping, I was dropping him off rather late. He was almost going to miss the gate. And I was saying, I know it's really hard. I know it's hard to get up and get things going. And, you know, you did it. And I know school's going to, you know, today's going to be rough for you, but I know you, I know that you can handle um, what is thrown at you. Now, my 10 year old, who's <laughs> a little snarky sometimes, was like, well, that makes it worse. Or like, gee, mom, thanks for saying that. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm acknowledging that you're having a hard, that he's having a hard time. And he kind of piped in and said, she's helping me. So that's another example. It's not even really, it is social anxiety. So it is an anxiety example, but it's an example of empathizing and reassuring. Like, I know you can do this. I know the day is going to be hard, but I know you can do it. Um, And I'm sorry that, you know, it's hard for you. You can talk like that with your kids and not grow their anxiety or OCD. So I think I drilled my point home today in many different ways. Hopefully you got something from this and you realize that you can be empathetic, reassuring, and problem solving and not be accommodating the anxiety or OCD. And accommodations come one step at a time. And so you can learn more about that. Um, Like I said, in my space course, if you want to look at that course at atparentingsurvivalschool.com, or look at Ellie Leibowitz's um, book, Breaking Free from Childhood Anxiety and OCD. So if you're enjoying the podcast, which I hope you are, don't forget to hit a star on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast, because that rating actually is a really great way to give back to the show. And if you have a few extra moments, um, you can leave a review. And I always like to show my support by reading one of them. I'm trying to pull one up. (laughs) as we're talking. And so I want to thank Eamon Mayu. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Um, They wrote, very helpful. Our son has recently been diagnosed with GAD, so we're learning everything we can about it. I knew something was off, of course, but didn't know what exactly. This podcast is such a lifesaver. I enjoy the tone, pace, and most importantly, content. I've only listened to a few episodes so far, but I've already had some interesting insights and helpful information. I like that the format doesn't feel medical, but more to the point and down to earth. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that because I think we can get the same kind of information, but in a more entertaining and helpful and 
realistic sort of way. So I appreciate that you, that you get that. So if you write a review, maybe I'll be reading your review next time. And don't forget to join me in the AT Parenting Survival Tools series. You can go to atparentingsurvivalseries.com. It has started, but you are not behind. Join that and you and I can talk live in my live classes in the Facebook group. If you're not into Facebook, you don't even have to do that. There is a series website where you can go when the series is live and watch the videos as they're released and soak up this information that I'm giving to you for free. If you like the podcast, you're going to love the series. So I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 